again on our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid, where we talk to researchers previously funded by Australian Rotary Health about their research findings. I'm Jessica Cooper and today on episode 9 we will talk to special guest Professor Helen Christensen from the Black Dog Institute. Australian Rotary Health awarded Professor Christensen with a mental health research grant in 2012 for her project called Living with Deadly Thoughts, reducing suicidal thoughts through a web-based self-help intervention. Scientia Professor Helen Christensen AO is Director and Chief Scientist at the Black Dog Institute and a Professor of Mental Health at the University of New South Wales. Professor Christensen is a leading expert on using technology to deliver evidence-based interventions for the prevention and treatment of depression, anxiety, suicide and self-harm. Her research also encompasses prevention of mental health problems in young people through school-based research programs. These programs are aimed at prevention of depression and suicide risk through e-mental health interventions. So thank you for taking the time to join us today on our podcast, Helen. What's been going on for you lately? Oh, thank you very much for inviting me. And it's really wonderful to be here and, and talk to Rotary because of the you know, the support they've given to this particular project, but to many projects I know across Australia for young people in particular. Are trying to... um, what's been going on for me lately? Um, I think there's been a huge amount of work that we've been doing at the Black Dog Institute around the COVID uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's been in two different ways. One is that we've been trying to um, monitor what might be happening in terms of the levels of mental health and suicide risk. And secondly, we've been trying to work with government and enjoying that too in providing um, information and advice about what the evidence shows uh, in these sorts of circumstances. And I know we're not the only ones. I mean, there are many people who have been doing this, but it's been quite a wonderful experience to try and pull together um, and work with everybody to say, well, what should Australia be doing during these um, pandemics? Mm, yeah, it's certainly a, a time that we that we haven't experienced before, and it, I'm sure it would be very interesting looking at the research into it at the moment. Um, yeah. And I know as well that um, you're one of the, the leading experts that have um, called for more research um, into mental health and, and the brain as part of a, a global response to this pandemic. Um, and, and this paper was published recently in The Lancet. I was just wondering if you'd like to talk us through some um, of the key messages in this paper and, and why it's so important. I think um, that was a great experience to be involved with Emily Holmes and Rory O'Connor and quite a number of experts in the UK who tried to pull together as quickly as possible a research agenda about what should we be doing around COVID. Uh, in order really to know how to do better with the mental health side of it, um, but also and um, to understand what we can do for the future so that we'd be in a better position to respond to these um, conditions and also to things like bushfires and, you know, the climate change um, threats that are really affecting all of us and at such a large level. 
And I think we found that um, we don't really know very much about prevention at a public health level. That is, what we do when the community all over is distressed about something that is quite fearful, you know, a virus or bushfires or climate change. Uh, essentially, the, the investigation that was done by a large group of people, I only played a very small part in it, was to try and work out what the priorities were for research going forward in mental health. And briefly, um, there is a lot of interest now in understanding what sort of public health um, preventative programs we can use. And so the research is calling for trials of those sorts of things. Secondly, to look at better ways that we can monitor mental health across the community in a structured and coherent uh, way. And thirdly, there was some evidence or there's interest in looking at how the brain might change as a result of COVID. So um, a number of those recommendations went forward and I know that um, the UK government is now doing the next step and trying to pull together research proposals that are directed at those research priorities. So it's quite interesting how quickly the UK were able to develop a program of work around research, not just in mental health, but also in virology and epidemiology and so on. And yet how, um, I guess, in need of perhaps a better refinement, their own policy was around looking after the people in the UK, given that there's so many people who have died and the fact that the curve is still uh, flattening, um, whereas in Australia our public health response was very good. Mm, yeah, that's, yeah, it's definitely very interesting and, you know, it's, uh, it would be interesting to see, you know, how, what the impacts are of this virus and, and, you know, everything that's happened this year, you know, maybe in 10 years' time. So I guess, yeah, the research is really important for that. Um, I, I know um, it was a few years ago now, but in, in 2012, you received some funding from Australian Rotary Health to conduct a pilot trial to test the effectiveness of a, a self-help intervention that was web-based and it focused on reducing suicidal thoughts. Um, so could you tell us about the aims of this project initially and, and what you set out to achieve? So I think the aims of the project were essentially to try and see if we can help people who weren't in contact with health health services to help them manage and cope better with their suicidal thoughts. And the internet really is a, a big leveller in that most people now are connected to the internet. So it makes it easy to perhaps introduce people to these web-based applications via smartphones and through the internet. So we really wanted to say, okay, um, that being the case, uh, does it actually um, lead to better outcomes uh, and to actually test the idea that these sort of web-based interventions um, are effective. So we did get the money from Rotary, which we were very grateful for, and it kicked us off. Uh, and the following year, we got an NH and MRC grant led by Brecchia van Spijker, which led to three years, four years really, of research around the Living with Deadly Thoughts uh, application, which we had to develop up into an English version. Uh, and the results of that really now are only just coming out. Um, they have been published over the last couple of years and they show that although the earlier trials of this particular application had been showed that they had been statistically effective, we hadn't been able to find that in our study, although we did 
find that people who were more, had more severe symptoms did actually respond to the internet intervention. Mm. Um, and you might say, well, what's happened now? What's happened since that? So you've done your trial, you know, and like a lot of things, it's, you know, maybe it's just a flash in the pan and it's not actually gone any further. And I have to say that that's probably not the case with this particular application. So uh, it's been used by a number of other groups around um, the world in Canada and in Sweet, uh, sorry, Denmark um, who were also interested in looking at the question of what could be done for people outside of health services who had mental health problems around suicide. Um, so in some ways it's gone ahead and been evaluated in a couple of other settings and found to be effective in those settings. Um, more than that, we've recently put it through a commercialisation program at um, through the universe uh, through the sorry Department of Health uh, in in uh, New South Wales, and we've at this moment converting it into an app. So rather than it being a website, it's now being converted into an app that we will be commercialising. Um, there seems to be a lot of need for it. And also the evidence from the cumulative studies that we've done shows that it can be effective and also that it doesn't seem to do harm, which, of course, is another consideration with these sorts of programs. You don't actually want to make people worse. Yeah, well, it sounds like some really great things have happened with it and, and there's you know, so much further that it can go. So that, that's great. Great to hear. Um, so, so this app, um, are you working on it at the moment or...? Um, no, not directly, not me, but one of the people in our innovation side. So what we've learned is that researchers are good at doing research, and I'm still basically a researcher, I have to say, but if you actually want to drive out into the marketplace and have these things flourish, then you need a different set of skills to what researchers have had. So one of the people, Sarah Holland, is working in our innovation section of Black Dog, and she's working with... Um, uh, different entrepreneurs, if you like, but also external um, app developers to try and bring something together that's going to be of use to the target audience. So she's also working with lived experience people and doing co-design and so on to actually make sure that the app um, resonates and is, is seen to be useful. Um, and at that point then um, it's the dissemination of these things now is a lot easier than it used to be. So through the App Store and hopefully through the promotion and also through other organisations. So who is going to look after it? Who's going to work with it? Who's going to continue to promote it? And those are the sorts of questions that the Innovation Centre within Black Dog looks at. Yeah, oh, that's, that's excellent. And, um, and will you um, aim to do some further research to, to make sure that this app is... Um, is effective as well? Yes, well, actually it sort of comes round to the um, things go round in circles because um, now that we've redone it and we're about to relaunch it in a way that we think it'll be much more attractive to the people who need it, um, we're looking at doing some research in the UK with that very same group who did the priority study um, because that we'd be very interested in, in seeing how it goes in the wild out there. And they're very interested in seeing now at the next stage how useful it can be um, within the UK. 
Mm. So, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we won't have anything really to do with the research around it, I guess, or it'll be in hands, uh, indirect handling, and other research will take it off and do the evaluation. Yeah. I mean, in, yeah, you sorry. Go. You go, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, it, Living with Deadly Thoughts is just one of many, many apps and websites that we're developing within Black Dog these days. Um, we've started another app, which is very early in the process, like Living with Deadly Thoughts was when we got the Rotary funding, um, and it's called Lifeboy, and this is being um, developed by Michelle Tai and Jin Han, and it's for young people, a suicide prevention app for young people using a, a mobile um, and so we're in, we've done focus groups, it's been co-designed, but now we're going in and doing a proper trial to see if it actually is helpful. The most amazing thing about this app, though, is that um, we recruited all 430 people needed for the research trial in three or four days. Mm, wow. I think that really just speaks to the fact that young people are concerned about suicide and that we recruited during the period of COVID when people are very concerned about their mental health for those of their parents. Yeah, well, it, there's certainly a demand for it, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you can see the impact it can have, you know, that while we need to do research in hospitals and in clinics and in treatment um, groups, we also need to be initiating these population-based interventions so that people can take advantage of them and by doing so we re reach out more effectively using these technologies to the whole population. Yeah. Well, I know at, at the Black Dog Institute there, there are many programs available to people who might be struggling with mental illness um, and I, I guess like a lot of these programs have research that's being conducted behind it. Could you, could you maybe tell us a bit about why um, conducting this research is so important? Sure. I think that particularly when it comes to apps, um, there's thousands of apps out there that people can um, get hold of through the app store. But there's only a small amount that have any research evidence to support their effectiveness. And you know, we've got this problem where people are out there using apps and websites and these, I think, are sometimes very effective for them. And then on the other hand, we've got these academics and researchers over here saying, no, we must have effectiveness, privacy, safety, all of those sorts of things before we release them to be used. And I think the two have to come together. There has to be a way that we can do... <clears throat> evidence-based apps that are also desired by the population. And I think that's one of the big challenges of the field mm. and something that really needs to be uh, tackled head-on. Because it is certainly difficult to, to obtain that funding for the research that, you know, goes, in, goes into, you know, making sure that these programs are effective. And I guess... Um, uh, just, just now for our audience, the Rotarians, um, would you have a message of encouragement for them to, to maybe consider donating at this time to, to mental health research and suicide prevention research? Because, yeah, it's, it's obviously just really needed and so important. Yeah, I, I'm just speaking to your audience and I would say that it's quite amazing 
and how important it is to get a start with new ideas and to support young researchers um, because more and more we are recognising how important mental health is to our community. I think it was something that was stigmatised and hidden away and now there seems to be this dawning that really if we don't have good mental health then we can't have health, good health at all. Um, every family has somebody. Every family has um, stories around people and we all know what it's like to be face-to-face with our son or our daughter or our parent or our friends who are in extreme distress. Um, and we believe, I guess, that science has an answer here, that we really need to work out the best ways in which people can be helped. Um, there's so much work now being conducted around the brain and around behaviour that is really going to make huge brain um, waves into the future because we're just starting to know more and more about something that affects us so deeply and makes such a difference to our lives when we're happy and healthy and resilient. So I want to thank, really, Rotary for doing this, for coming in very early, actually, and being so supportive of the research in mental health. They really are a shining example of recognising the importance of this area. Yeah, well, thank you. It's certainly a great area to, you know, see all these developments in, you know, it can, can really have an impact. So, yeah, it's great to really, you know, talk to the researchers behind the research that Rotarians are, you know, contributing funding to. So I'm, I'm sure they'd really love to hear from you today. So, yeah, well, thank you again for joining us. And I, I hope that, yeah, um, yeah, we, we see you again in the future. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> thank you very much, Jessica. Lovely talking to you. Yeah, you too. Well, that was the ninth episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It is always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our, mental, on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you would like to help more mental health research like Professor Christensen's continue, please consider donating to our COVID-19 appeal. We have an aim to raise $200,000 by June 30 so your support would be very much appreciated. Please see the link to donate on our Australian Rotary Health Facebook page. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.